From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights. And this is Corona Business Insights. I'm Sandra Peter. And I'm Kyrima. And with everything that's happening out there, it's quite hard to understand what COVID-19 will mean for the business world. So in this series, we've been unpacking business, economy, industry, government, workers and society, and looking at the effects of the pandemic. And this podcast is, of course, part of a larger initiative by the University of Sydney Business School. Our COVID Business Impact Dashboard is a living initiative, which we constantly update with insights and resources from our academics, from industry experts, Nobel Prize winners, movers, and shakers. And you can find all of these resources online at sbi.sydney.edu.au slash coronavirus. And today we talk about sports, how the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted the world of sport and what is being done to bring it back. So with the lockdown, most sport around the world has come to a grinding halt. And this has hurt not only athletes who cannot play or train, it has hurt fans around the world, but it has hurt hundreds of thousands of people involved with the industry itself, whether that be coaches, support staff, hospitality staff associated with the sport. And for some of these leagues, there can be up to 10,000 people who are employed to support the teams playing the games. And it even hurts sports commentators. And so what does a sports commentator do when he has no sports to commentate on? He commentates on everything and anything he observes. And so one of England's best sports commentators, Nick Heath, has taken it upon himself to commentate on the things that he observes around him, like a snail crossing the street, people walking in the park, cars at an intersection, or even rabbits grooming, or, like in this clip, two cats lazily basking in the sun. Well, things have really hotted up here with absolutely nothing to speak of occurring at all. But now we're at the business end. This is what the absolute lack of crowd have paid to see. Harris in the black. Matthews in the grey. And there we have it. Two tail taps from Harris. Where's the acknowledgement from Matthews? There it is. And the third tap from Harris. Now who's going to take this? It's a real nail biter. And it's Matthews who's up first. Ears pinned back. Regulation move. Bomber Harris. What's he got? Nothing at all. He's out. He's gone. What drama here. Monty Matthews, the youngster, has done it. It's again absolutely incredible. Well, you'll remember where you were when nothing at all happened. He's through to the final. Saucer of milk for that man. Truly a master in the making. And this is, of course, challenging also if you're a sports broadcaster. So Fox Sports or ESPN have been staffed for content with nothing out there at all. And while some have taken to rebroadcasting old games and try to and probably fail to create some buzz around this, other stations have taken to airing original content of a different kind. In a strange lineup on ESPN, for instance, there was professional arm wrestling, followed by hamburger eating, cheese rolling, frog jumping, Tetris, stone skipping, cherry spitting. You're not making this up, are you? Now I'm reading the TV guide. 7pm had putt-putt championships followed by stupid robot fighting, sign spinning, and then marble runs before at 9pm you had lawnmower racing followed by slippery stairs and what was titled death diving, which turns out to be an actual Norwegian sport. Now I'm interested, are these ride-on mowers or push mowers? So who's doing the racing? You'll have to tune in at 9 p.m. and find out. But, but, you know, things like marble runs have actually captivated the nation and acquired some really good sponsorship. Speaking of sponsorship, a real economic issue is the cost for professional sports codes of having their competitions 
suspended, not only from ticket sales, but more importantly, from the loss in income from their TV broadcasting deals. So, for instance, in the U.S., the major leagues are expected, so that is, leagues like the NBA and the NFL, the NBL, are expected to lose about $5.5 billion. In the U.K., cricket, rugby, and football together, almost a billion dollars. Similarly, with the Spanish Liga and Italian soccer. Let's not forget that many of the leagues in Europe are at the back end of their season, they're two-thirds or three-quarters through, whereas in the U.S. many leagues would have most of their seasons suspended. And then, of course, there's the Olympics in Tokyo, which now were postponed to next year, a projected revenue loss of $6 billion for the organizers. So given such dire financial implications, everybody's really keen to get sports back. So let's have a look at what it would take to bring sports back and how some of them have started to trickle back because we've seen a slight reopening of the sports already in certain parts of the world where either lockdown has eased or certain sports that do not require direct contact have been allowed to continue. And different countries have different approaches. Australia taking a very cautious approach despite having very low COVID-19 case numbers in the general population. The National Rugby League, NRL, in New South Wales and Queensland is coming back by the end of this week. Teams are being kept in tight quarters with little interaction with the general population, so effectively in isolation. There's, of course, no spectators in the stadiums. It's entirely done as a TV spectacle. One round has been played, the second round to come. Similarly, in the Australian Football League, AFL, which is set to restart on June 11 under the same regime, extra precautions taken to limit travel. This competition has teams from all over the country, teams from South Australia and Western Australia, temporarily relocating to the Gold Coast to play all their games over there, again to limit spread. And Europe, of course, where many countries are still under partial lockdown, has taken a more decisive approach with some of the leagues playing already. Yeah, so the German Bundesliga has resumed their games on the weekend. They do rigorous testing of all players and support staff twice a week, which comes with its own problems because there's a team in the second league in Dresden where two players have tested positive, so they can't play for two weeks where the entire team now has to be in quarantine. So it's a restart with certain problems. The Premier League in the UK is set to start in June, but they have had two rounds of testing among teams where positive cases have been found. So there's now a risk that the restart is being pushed out, which is eagerly awaited by all the fans of the FC Liverpool, of course, which have an almost unassailable lead in the league. It would be their first win in decades, in a generation. So there's a whole fan base which can't wait for this to get underway so that they can actually win the title, which they wouldn't if the competition was actually cancelled. 
notwithstanding the fact that the English Premier League stands to lose $1.3 billion if it stays closed. But as we've mentioned before, it's not just the leagues losing a lot of money, but it's also the betting industry. It's large resorts that used to house many of these leagues, the games and the fans who used to come and watch the games. Hence why places like the US are looking at opening sports much, much earlier in the pandemic curve than other countries. So the US obviously has a much wider spread of the disease. They're in a much more difficult position to restart their leagues than we are here in Australia, for example. And so they have come up with some quite outlandish ideas. So the New York Times reports that the MGM Grand Casino Group in Las Vegas has put forward a proposition to the NBA to restart the basketball league exclusively in Las Vegas, where four large hotels would house the teams, all the players, all the support staff, where 24 basketball courts would be built at the local convention center, five for the competition that would be televised, the rest for training, where the casinos would open all their facilities for all the players and support staff, which amounts to thousands of people that would have to be housed there, would have to be tested, of course, to make sure that no one brings in the virus. And this, of course, comes with its own risks. We've seen the measured approach in Europe and in Australia, where if someone is infected, that team gets removed from the competition. But here, if you lock up a large number of people together, if someone tests positive, you might have a cruise ship situation. It does remind us of cruise ships, doesn't it? Because if indeed the virus starts spreading the entire competition is compromised, which makes this such an outlandish proposal. And there's also in the US questions about testing. As the US still grapples with test shortages, there's now voices which ask, is it actually fair that sports people would be tested twice a week when there's not enough tests for the general population? Problems that Australia and Europe currently don't have. Which is why places like Australia are also looking at a potential timeline to bringing back fans. We've already seen some audiences appear. Last night's Q&A had, I think, six or seven people in the audience. We are looking in Australia, for instance, at bringing back some fans into the stadiums. So the NRL is musing about bringing some limited crowds back by July. Melbourne Storm has made a proposal to bring in between 1,000 and 3,000 spectators in a very orderly manner. They have a new stadium, which apparently lets them bring in and out crowds without you know, crowding, where every fifth seat would be used. I mean, this is still way in the future, but if Australia manages to keep any outbreaks under control and keep case numbers low, this would be the next stage to at least bring fans back in some limited numbers into some of the stadiums. So some of these are quite ambitious timelines. We'll have to keep an eye out for this. And this is where we want to leave it today. As always, we include all the materials in the show notes. Until next time, this was Corona Business Insights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business.